We at the Unsolicited Advice Column acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the unceded land of the Darug people. We value the wise, courageous and resilient culture of Australia's First Nations peoples and acknowledge their significant connection to land, sea and community. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hey, I'm Nicole. And I'm Ellie. We're best mates in our 30s who are learning how to parent, love a good chat and dishing out unsolicited advice. We want to be a friend in your pocket or in your earbuds who will learn with you and that you can have a laugh with. All right. Welcome to the Unsolicited Advice Podcast. Hey, mate. How are you going? Hey, how are you? Nice to see you. It's so nice to see you. I'm doing okay. I uh, just had the first gay, golden gay time that I've had in a very long time, um, but I will preface it that it did come home in the pocket of a child on a 40 degree day and was refrozen and was basically just a gloop. And I would just like to be very clear in case anyone else wasn't aware, golden gay times do not taste as good once they have been melted and refrozen. That's really interesting because I was actually just thinking that actually doesn't sound too bad. Like there are ice creams where I'm like, really wouldn't want to go there on a refreeze. Mm. But I feel like a gay time, I I would have thought that it would preserve its form better. No, well, I mean, it was on the pocket of a child on a bike. So that's a whole nother. um, They're being very kind. They they got one. They bring one home for you. And look, we got one for you. And I was like, that's so great. But I don't want it now because it's like liquid. So I'll have it later and um so the thought was there it's a thought that counts a classic example of it's the thought that counts you're raising kind kids kind (laughs) silly kids but kind kids nonetheless kind nonetheless kind is good um what about you what you've been doing what have you been doing jenko's parental leave actually today because today was Mm. our first day off together um on (gasps) parental leave so like he's on parental leave and i'm part-time so yeah we just really enjoyed that today we had a little excursion we so a few weeks ago we ordered a bedspread from my house at like castle hill the shot like the you know oh i was like store. um nicole you live in the same house your house is his house <laughs> oh that was a real born moment <laughs> actually kind of it's it's a silly name for a shop also there's also or, or another place called house so we ordered like we ordered this bedspread from my house because it was massively on uh-huh. sale. So we're like, let's snap that up. And they were like, oh, sorry, we don't actually have any in stock. So we ordered it from the Penrith store. Mm-hmm. And we were like, yeah, yeah, we'll definitely go and pick it up. And then we just actually completely forgot to go and get it. Oh. And we ha- just hadn't had an opportunity. Anyway, today we were like, well, we better go out to Penrith and pick up that bedspread. So um, that's what we did today. We went out to Penrith. Have you been to the Penrith Westfield? No. No. It's great. I don't think I've ever been there. It's actually yeah great it's got everything except for it doesn't have a david jones but it's got like <laughs> so not everything really yeah well, had to find something wrong with it but like genuinely <laughs> as far as um like mega shopping centers go it was quite spacious mm. quite and like yeah. just two levels so none of this silly 10 stacker kind of scenario like Macquarie Center, we're looking at you. Yeah, exactly. There's no like spiral and like level multi-levels. Oh, level of my own. Will I die in here? Yeah. Two levels, you just walk around it. It's great. It was really straightforward. Oh, yeah, I had a lot there. So we were really um 
happy with our little shopping trip, but like not that we were shopping for much, but we went to pick up this bed spread. But when I called to check that it was still there because we left it for like maybe two and a half weeks since we ordered it from Castle Hill, I called, I called house, not my house. (laughs) (laughs) And the house lady was like, I think you meant to call my house warehouse. Bet they get that all the time. I think she did. But she was delightful. She was utterly delightful about it. So I was like, oh, thanks. But the my house, the gimmick is that everything's massively discounted. So it's actually just not to oh, yeah. ruin your dreams. As long as th- if you compare it against th- other places, then it's good. But the gimmick is everything's 70% off and it's actually just normal price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, and that's like, I mean... It's good marketing. Um, yeah. Except, like, I, I've been thinking they've been going out of. But it's smart because, like, KB and I went in there, I'm going to say 12 months ago, and effectively bought, it was like $1,000 worth of stuff for like 400 bucks. And we were like, this is amazing. Oh, my goodness. But what you actually like, did was bought $400 worth of stuff for yeah. $400. Well, do you know also, because I used to know somebody who was involved in the store and I told her at the time I was like I got this great deal she's like oh it's it's still a good deal but just so you know that is their gimmick and everything's not as discounted as you may think I was like way to ruin it for me yeah (laughs) just let me believe that I got it for less than half price (laughs) yeah exactly exactly yeah I've been like I've been shopping for this bedspread for a while and then the what tipped it over the edge for me was that at Target it was the same price for non-linen as it was for oh. linen at my house. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's going to do it for me, it. you know, because I yeah. looked at like it was a really, it's a dark green. I really wanted to bring a bit of dark green into our bedroom because it's oh, got, we've got a lot of pinks. I love that. Yes. So we've got like, I really love the the kind of soft pink, dark green combo. So mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I was like looking at it and I'd been eyeing off things and kind of ex- like looking at the target option because I'm like, Target's got some nice stuff. Why not? Yeah. Here's an interesting fact. So Target, because they are owned by the same people as Kmart, they're actually swapping out a bunch of their stuff mm. for Kmart things, but there's a few things that they're not swapping out. So I believe they're not swapping out anything to do with fabric because like their clothing, because, you know, their organic cotton stuff, like their baby clothes, they're really great. They're really soft, but anything that's homeware, so cups and plates and plastics and that kind of stuff, it's all going to swap out and be Anko. Anko. Um, so I'd be interested to know what towels, wear towels and things like that fall on that list. And I'd be interested and, too. I, I believe that's still going to be their target brand because they do pretty well with that. Just, yeah, fun facts. It's actually, that is really good. But like I would say, so annoyingly, Target had these amazing baby onesies and that's all we dress the little boy in because he just scoots around and if he was wearing a T-shirt, they'd kind of like bunch up a bit, right? Like you'd see his belly all the time. So we pin him in these great onesies that have a like press stud bottoms and then they also had a press stud on the shoulder. So two press studs on the shoulder so you could open it up and make it nice and wide for his head and then three on the bottom. And what they've changed to is no press studs on the shoulder um, and it's not this great cotton rib because the cotton rib you, stretches for ages. Like he's he's still oh. wearing cotton rib suits that are like 6 to 12 months, even though he's in 12 to 18 months. Sometimes he's in 18 to 2 years. The, the ones I've fan. bought more recently, not as good. Not a fan, Tajay, not a fan. No. 
I want I want my I want my organic cotton rib onesies back, please. And we'd love a packet of the post. <laughs> and if you yeah, and if you want to send them to the unsolicited advice column, please get in touch. Happy to plug your brand. So I don't think we'll agree. Oh, I actually I'm interested in this as well. Because I've got thoughts and theories about rude or empowered. Do you have mm-hmm. any like scenarios, mm-hmm. an example of someone being rude and then we can unpack whether or not they're actually empowered? Today, I had in my office, you kind of book your meeting rooms and there'll often be people in your meeting rooms when you arrive. And my colleague, it was right on the time where we were supposed to have the meeting room. And I usually do the awkward loiter near the the window of the door and walk back and forth lots of times thinking they'll sense the movement and walk out. She just walks up and goes, no, no, none of that, knocks on the door. And I was like, <gasps> like, oh, my goodness. And then the person in there was like, oh, I'm so sorry, and, and came out. But she knocked on the door and then walked away. And then it was just me standing at the window. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, no, everyone's going to think it was me. They're going to think I was rude. I walked in and I was thinking I've got something to share on the podcast with this rude and empowered with Nicole because I, I thought she was being rude. And I walked in and I thought, actually, yeah, we booked this meeting room. There's nothing wrong with knocking on the door and saying, excuse me, we booked the meeting room, out you hop. That's exactly right. I actually, I did it today. I I have, I have a similar kind of scenario. In that case, can I just be very clear, empowered. Yeah. I, initially I felt rude and then, well, I didn't even do it, but I was like, oh, no. And then as I walked in, I was like, no, 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 we are perfectly within our rights. We are empowered. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. So like, I actually really believe that that initial feeling like you're being rude is what stops people from being empowered mm. and doing um, doing something that isn't actually rude but just is assertive and mm-hmm. stands up for themselves. It's I'm fascinated. So today I was in um, a shoe store. I'm not going to advertise for them for free <laughs> anywhere. Get in touch. Uh, or me like, um, we, just, we just gave my house a great recommendation. Why not these guys? Well, my house kept held on to our um, bedspread for two weeks, two and a half weeks, and yeah, they're check-ins. similarly priced to Target. So worth checking out. That's just a life hack. That belongs in our life hack episode. Go back and listen to it. It's from last year. Um, so <laughs> I'm in a shoe store, also a sporting goods store, and I've been eyeing off some shoes probably for three or four months in anticipation of returning to work and knowing that I want to go with what I would call a sport luxe look at work this year. So like more of a a jogger come sand shoe. I don't know how to describe it. Sneaker. You want to wear a sneaker to work, Nicole. (laughs) Correct. I do want to wear a sneaker to work. I do. Because I think they're insanely practical for teachers who are on the go, go, go. And I am very keen to kind of wear a sneaker, like a nice sneaker. I'm not talking like my joggers. Ratty. A yeah. nice sneaker to work. So I've been eyeing them off, having a look, checking the price point, you know, all of that. Today, I walked into this store. I saw the color that I like and mm. I thought that one looks nice. Hang on a second. The price tag was a full, let me just quickly, $70 more than the <gasps> uglier color. Right. <gasps> So, oh, I'm just going to, we'll just do real numbers. So 160 bucks is what these shoes are normally priced around, right? $160 for these sneakers. 
And yeah, that's normal for sneakers now. Yeah, I, was, yeah, I would say that's pretty normal. Um, all of the ugly colors, 160 bucks. The ones that I was looking at that were like a, a much more neutral white pair, 230. Are those, but is that the newer line though? Like, have they brought this color out as a newer line? I wondered this. So anyway, this lovely, lovely sales assistant comes up to me and he's like, hey, can I help you? And I'm like, actually, you can. (laughs) We were just wondering, why is this one so much more expensive than these ones, even though they're the same shoe? And this kid, like, look, I don't reckon he was more than 17, but he he was so flummoxed, (laughs) I think, by the question. He looks at me and he goes, you know, I really don't know. Um, And like I could see that he was like, I don't know what to do. Like that's just the price on the, that's just the price on the shoe. Like I don't think, anyway, (laughs) he's like, leave it with me. Look at the initiative on this kid. All I did was ask a question. You know, I I wasn't rude about it. I was just like, we're just wondering why it's so much more expensive. Saving that $70 will get you quite a lot actually. Yeah, actually. Yeah. You know, know half a week's worth of groceries. A couple of weeks. about? A couple of nights, two nights max, maybe. But do you know what I think the real difference is in that scenario? The difference between being rude and being empowered. I think you're empowered because you've just asked a question, you've done it nicely, you've done it within that person's job description. Everything in that was okay. I think as soon as you add a crappy tone, it's rude. For oh. me, I. Like, I mean, the children in my house will tell you I have absolutely no patience for a rude tone. But I think to me that's a, such a significant difference between something sounding rude and something just being a question. So let's just try it. So if I'd said to him, why are these a different price as opposed to why are these differently priced? It's yeah. different, isn't it? It definitely sounds or like. Excuse me, I'm so sorry. I have a quick question. Oh, I should. I always say I'm so sorry, but you don't have to say that because I don't think we should apologize all the time. We We're all need to get rid of the sorry word from our vocabulary. <laughs> yep, definitely more empowered without it. Yes, keep going. But just like, excuse me, I just have a quick question. I'm just looking at these. I really want to buy one, um, but I really like this color, but I don't understand why there's a $70 price difference because my understanding is they're exactly the same shoe and the only difference is the color. I know we've done this in like a previous episode around like a bit of a hack, but my kind of general rule is if there's something that I think is wrong, I will plead ignorance and I will be like, this is so confusing. I do it at basketball all the time. I ask the refs and I'm like, I don't, sorry, can you explain the difference between um, like a charge and then a foul on someone shooting because the other team's getting this call and we're getting this call and I just don't really understand how they're different is it wrong to like do this because I do it I also do I I'm a classic for the if I know what I want right so like say I was at Woolworths and there was like a price problem or whatever I'd be like ah like clay a bit dumb and I like I did it all through high school people in high school Ellie thought I was really stupid and it's because I would often play stupid I can remember the day like our HSC results came out. I went and talked to this guy who thought I was an idiot. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, how did you go? 
And he told me his result and he was pretty chuffed with it. And I was like, oh, that's good. Congratulations. And then um, he's like, what did you get? And I whipped out my number, which I was very happy with. Um, Not that like I've ever used it again. Got into uni with it and nobody cares. But like I I said the number out loud and it it kicked his to the curb, right? Like (gasps) I think I beat him by a good 15 ATAR points or whatever (gasps) it was called at the time. I smashed him and he was like, his jaw, like it, there's nothing more satisfying in my whole life. No, there are so many more things that is way more satisfying than this. <laughs> but at that point in your life. <laughs> but watching his jaw like hit the floor was awesome. Just because like he clearly thought I was dumb and I was like, I'm not dumb. I just, I pla- I use like that kind of damsel in distress. Oh, I don't understand mm. to get what I want. That, uh, I just like, am I perpetuating stereotypes though by doing that or am I using the system to get what I want successfully I think it's using the system to be honest there'll be times where KB will call up for something and he just will have a conversation like a regular very regular like oh I don't understand la 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 and then I call up and do the whole damsel in distress, not damsel in distress, but I just be like, I don't understand how this works. I'm so confused. I don't know. But then they, I think people start to click because you're asking questions because you've done your research because you're not an idiot. But I think we should call it the Paris Hilton effect because I don't know if you've seen this clip of Paris Hilton talking apparently in her normal voice and that whole put on vapid, vacant kind of tone that she had you know, for probably most of our experience is just put on. And Oh, it, that is clever. She's, and she's like, it's, it was easier for everyone to think that I was stupid. So she just went with it and turns out she's actually not that dumb. Well, she can't I be mean, that dumb. I mean, maybe she's just doing good marketing for herself now, but she's like got a great education. So she can't really be that silly and she's done all right for herself. I know that she's an heir to a massive fortune, but still. Hmm. Yeah, like while wealth begets wealth, like there's no guarantee that it'll also beget intelligence, but like she might actually be I I actually I don't know, I haven't looked into anything Paris Hilton has done really ever, except for, you know, when I wanted a chihuahua <laughs> in a handbag when I was 14. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, what a time to be alive. I can't believe the naughties are like back to being a thing because that for me is peak noughties. And if if you're going to bring back yeah. a Von Dutch hat, you better bring back Paris Hilton's chihuahua in a handbag. Oh, what other things from the 90s would you want to see or hate to see? I don't know. I was a huge fan of the choker look. Oh, my gosh. That stretchy, like, plastic mm. ones. Not and all fan. that plastic from the 90s and oh. the early 2000s. Do you remember those love bands that you'd buy from the reject shop? They were black plastic bands and you'd wear them up your arm and then people would come snap them if they wanted to have sex with you. <laughs> no, no one snapped my love bands. <laughs> no one snapped mine either. <laughs> no, because I we were kids, these, but... we were 13. Yeah, but... no, okay, definitely. No, also, at 13, I was living in my own little world where I probably still watched cartoons. So I was not on a radar of having bracelets on my wrists to indicate that boys liked me or not. I, just, I, that I have no have idea if that's... Radar if that was a real cultural phenomenon or if that was just one thing that a chick we went to high school who I thought was the epitome of cool at the time, um, I, she may have just made it up. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know if the love band things were real, but, like, I believed they were and I wouldn't want to see those return. Or, and, like, as much as I thought the Make Poverty History 
bands were very cool. Mm. Do you remember those? I <laughs> When we had our beautiful puppy, Daphne, she actually dug one of those things up from under our house. Oh, yeah. So they last, the people. They aren't. They don't disintegrate. They oh. just stay intact. Are they made of rubber? Rubber or plastic? No, they were just plastic. So we've talked a bit about accidental moments of, oh, yeah, nailed this one or, like, the things that we might do to get what we want. But what oh. about when you need to say no? Oh, I don't know. It's so hard because no feels rude, doesn't it? Just by default, yeah. no always feels rude if you're saying no to something. But mm. if you're going to have like healthy boundaries, you actually really know, need to know how to say no in certain situations and like mm. draw a line and say, here's my, here's my limit and I can't, I won't be able to do that for you or no, I can't manage that task or no, I'm, I'm, I think I really like that concept of at capacity. I think I've heard it. I actually think I learned it from you, um, that concept of at capacity. Do you use it a lot too? All the time. I use it all the time, um, so much so that it's a banned phrase in our house because every time I would say at capacity, um, KB would say, you're not at work this is home and I'm like it's still relevant I'm at capacity I don't have any more room to think about these things but mine was usually referring to mental space as opposed to um, yes like physical time yeah I think it's a really interesting concept because I think for teachers right um we think of term time as this like ever expanding and what I really notice about term time for me is that my day just is like an ever expanding thing where more and more seems to get crammed into doing mm-hmm. like that I have to get mm-hmm. done. And I am supposed to work certain hours. I believe they're like eight till four, maybe as like my contracted mm-hmm. legal hours. But if I were to try to do everything I need to get done between those hours at work, like I would not get my job done. Right. Yeah. So, but then we have, what people consider to be insane holidays and they like absolutely they're insane like the holiday times the times when we are not physically present at work are insane I think there's a real misconception in the community about how much we are doing in that time to prepare for the term time um Mm -hmm. and how much we continue to do over the holiday period to like mark and um program and organize resources and differentiate and make sure that students have access to learning that Mm -hmm. suits their needs. There's a lot of that that happens in that holiday period, um, but we don't have to do it at work. So it's like a very, I guess, really it would probably be more helpful to kind of think of school holidays as often working from home time, but not the whole, like you don't do a whole day every day, right? Like it's flexible. So I think that if you were to average, say the long days the teachers do it at, school during the school term or the hours if you were to do it as job that earned time in lieu or had to do x number of hours in a month or x number of hours across a week if you were to average that out across the year I kind of feel that a teacher would probably work the same as the average person who works a bit of overtime Mm, okay yeah like yeah I think like I think if you averaged it all up and you added all the hours of work together I think you would work essentially a full time like you said you'd be working from home part of those times but then the extra hours that you worked this day come out of this day but you actually don't get 
four real weeks of holidays to choose when you want to go on holidays. Yes. That's kind of the the downside of having potentially weeks of holidays if you choose to at a time means that you actually just can't take holidays anytime. Mm. And, that, and that's tricky and expensive. It's it, going on holidays yes. during the school holidays so is expensive. quite expensive. Um, but we get that that regular time away from our workplace, which is is really nice. And I it's something I really enjoy about teaching is that time when you do determine what your day looks like at home in the school holidays, but they are a holiday for students. They are not a holiday for teachers. And is it though essentially like flexible working just for teachers though? Like yeah. I think so. I think that's probably a really helpful way to kind of think about it. And like our pay is averaged out over the year and stuff like that. So, I mean, yeah, I think it like there's an expectation, I think. But then I don't know how that would sit with like our federation, that concept of like what you're supposed to do in the holidays. Anyway, mm. it's interesting. But um, what I would say is like what that like defining what being at capacity means when you're a school teacher I find it really really hard because it's just like all the stuff you've got to get done you kind of need to get it done when kids are around and in that like there's a lot that you need to do during the term yeah that is inescapable work it's stuff you need to do directly with students or with other Mm -hmm. teachers present on site so like those sorts of things like trying to say no in that space I find hard. I do find it really hard and I do feel rude being like to a kid who's like, please, can you mark my draft the night before an assessment task, right, for example, which I get a lot of that. You know, there's an email with like, please, miss, I'm begging you any feedback you can give me. Oh, my gosh. And I like <laughs> I feel such a sense of responsibility to that student to help them do their best that, you know, even if they are sending it very last minute with no regard the fact that it's 10 p.m at night no I won't do it at 10 p.m at night they know that I've got boundaries but like I do feel a real sense of responsibility to to stretch my capacity and not Mm. to say I'm at capacity I can't possibly do that for you I'm sorry um I'm getting better at it but it's it's definitely not an easy thing to do it's certainly not an easy thing to do to say no to a student who's asking for your help and wanting to succeed um and it's not an easy thing to do to say no to your bosses um, when your goal and when your workload is focused on kids and helping them to achieve, it's it's hard to do. Yeah, I can imagine where I guess I'm a little bit different. I do, we do get a lot, the space I work in, we do get a lot of um, roles shifting and moving. So often people will leave and you just get the exciting job of taking on their job too or their mm-hmm. projects as well and you just kind of accumulate more things and that's just I guess expected but there was Whoa. a point <laughs> sorry whoa like what do you mean yeah. you just have to do somebody else's job too and just like fold it in fold yeah there was a point what is that yeah mean? there was a <laughs> there was a fold it's <laughs> <Just laughs> from Shit's Creek yeah <laughs> That's a great show. If anyone has not watched that, that is a phenomenal show and it is very, very funny and very so quotable. And so the 20-minute episodes, um, sometimes it's what I watch when I need to fall asleep. Um, 
but yeah, in places where I worked before, I've lost the majority of my team. I know that makes me sound like I've driven them away, but that's not the case. <laughs> um, but I have lost Hi. huge. I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> yeah, I was really attuned. Um, no, that's the company. <laughs> the um, um, and you just accumulated everybody else's jobs because stuff. Some things have to get done because it's your. You've got outcomes tied to it. You've got. Um, money tied to it so things need to get done and if you are the only person that can do that thing for all these people then congratulations to you it's so hard because at what point do you say actually hey guys you're like the employer has failed to employ sufficient people to make this project happen that responsibility cannot be mine I'll tell you when you say it Nicole you say it in the exit interview (laughs) because then hey guys if you've done this you'd actually have at least a staff member. But no, <laughs> no, nah, I'm probably disclosing a little bit too much about previous jobs. But actually there's a lot of things that I've learned or had or had to relearn during my time in the workplace. Like, I mean, I've been in office jobs for 10, 12 years now and something as simple and I still do it to this day is I write an email and I say, hi, so sorry for the delay I'm just reaching out because I need da, 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 da. and then I go back and I delete the I'm sorry and I delete the just because there are all these things that I do like I'm apologizing but actually no I am a busy person I do lots of things and I'm not just doing anything it's my job to do this yes like, it's my job I, to ask I, you about that I go back and delete them as well anything that kind of equivocates or like is like wussy get rid of it I get wussy. rid of it I like that like <laughs> Because I read, I read that in Jamila Rusvi's "Not Just Lucky." Oh, I love this book so much. Everyone needs to read it. That book is like it's a bit of a bible for me when it comes to like interactions at work and how to manage them and stuff. Because "Just and Sorry" started deleting it from my emails, and I was like reading them back to myself. I'm like, that reads with more authority. That reads with more firmness and self assuredness. Mm. And I that's how I want to present at work. I don't want to present at work like. I'm not sure that it's okay for yes. me to be saying, can I just have this from you? And like, I don't, I'm not timid. Why would I present like that in an email? Why would I present like that in front of staff? It doesn't make sense. Because I always get worried over email and text where I don't think tone is clear. And if I think people don't know me, I think I have to add in a few softer pieces of language and so many thanks, you know, thank you so much. And um, depending on how casual, like if it's a text, I will usually put in some kind of emoji to indicate that I am smiling (laughs) while saying this because I don't want you to think that I'm being sarcastic or rude I am genuine because I just get so terrified that people will hate me because I'll think I said the wrong thing yeah it's really interesting isn't it like I wonder how long until emojis become part of work email I sometimes use a smiley face between my team or people yeah. who I work with quite closely probably not like a director or anything but <laughs> but they do help so much with tone you can communicate so much with an emoji and it is bringing the non-verbal into you know the written medium like I I do find it really fascinating there's all these really cool versions of Shakespeare where they like send them as text messages have you seen what it's like called YOLO Juliet like one of them is called YOLO Juliet 
They're great. They're really good. They're really funny. Um, but they use emojis and they use text speak. So obviously it's a bit out of date now because I don't know if kids still use text speak. Like, do they still spell you with a U? Like, I don't know. Well, they don't have to because it like auto fills for them. Yeah. They're, I think I think that all kids should be handed like a Nokia 3310 for their first phone. You don't get a choice because you know. Kids would not spend so much time on their phone if they had to spend 20 minutes to send one text message telling about the saga of the day or whatever. They would just call like a regular human. I yeah. think good old Nokia's, you know. How funny is it that like the generations below us are all really frightened of making telephone calls? Even yeah. some of our generation, they're really uncomfortable about the idea of making a phone call. And I'm like, what do you mean? I used to have to ring my bestie on her her landline and her dad would answer and I think he was really messing with me he'd be so polite but also very firm and if I didn't have a conversation with like the expectation was very clear you have a polite conversation with your best friend's dad or your best friend's mum whoever it is you have a polite conversation with them you don't just go "Hi, hi is my mate there you go Hi, how are you today? I hope you're having a nice day. Um, mm-hmm. What have you been up to? What, like, you know, ask some questions, small yeah. talk, and it's an art. It's actually a skill. It, well, small talk is a clear skill, although it could be my dad used to answer and say something random every time. It would be like, hello, you've reached Glenhaven Crematorium, or hello, <laughs> you've reached you've reached Glenhaven Physiotherapy Clinic, open 24-7, or something like this. Like people would hang up immediately because they'd be like, I've called the wrong number. And they'd call again, and my dad would answer again, and he'd go, hi, and then they'd do, oh, you know, it's so-and-so looking for so-and-so, and then he'd buy it. And he'd just, like, it was so mean. It was so mean. And we were not that old. I'm going to say, like, people who were calling us were, 14 or or whatever and they're just thinking they're calling the wrong number over and over again these poor kids that's quite a good, good laugh I, like <laughs> I like that that's funny although you wouldn't do it anymore because you'd look at the number you just called on your phone whereas when we used to ring on like a keypad you were like I must have got a digit wrong but now yeah, you know yeah. that you didn't get a digit wrong you'd be like super confused yeah <laughs> I'd like to, um, I'd just like to call your parents' home number just to see if your dad's still in, you know, keeping yeah. his hand in with that one. I wish I wish they did. They don't have a home number anymore. Well, that's the thing. People don't have home Who numbers does? anymore. Yeah, exactly. So you call your friend directly. There's no need to talk to their parents anymore. Like it's you're just <gasps> cutting think... out this whole opportunity for learning how to engage with people who mm-hmm. are not your age and who do things old school and buy the book and those things are gone. Also, kids, I think, don't they just text each other, organize the play date, and then run it by mum and dad now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what happens most of the time now. I did not realize that, obviously, because I'm a bit late to the organizing friend over party situation. But, um, yeah, because every kid's got Messenger now, so they every child's got access to some kind of device, whether it's, like, the parent's old phone and it actually hasn't got a number in it, but it's still connected to Wi-Fi at home or an iPad or a computer or whatever. And so they just talk back and forth, and they're, like, eight years old, and they're like, well, can I go to so-and-so's house on Saturday's mum said it's okay? And I'm like, well, I actually haven't spoken to so-and-so's mum, and I don't know who they are, so do you think maybe, like, I could talk to them for a second please it's funny I, like this year has been really interesting for me because I think about it all the time how f- like so frequently how if anyone saw the way we live our life or raise children now compared to 200 years ago 
it's like completely unrecognizable. Even today I was in the car and I was just like, how crazy is it that we all just drive around all day in our cars? Like we don't walk anywhere to get things anymore. We drive in our car. (laughs) No, like, well, I do. I walk, I walk to get a coffee. (laughs) I catch Um, public transport. I'm saving the environment. No, exactly. But, like, it's wild how, like, even 50 years ago there was, like, a milk shop at the end of the road Mm. that you would go to get some little groceries and stuff if you needed to, but they're all gone. Like, I mean, if you live closer into town, that that sort of stuff still exists, but, like, they just don't exist anymore. It's all this kind of idea of, like, a local community hub. Like, everywhere is drivable now. Unless, I guess, unless you live in a small town and, like, maybe there'll be a resurgence of that because people will be looking for community and looking for connection, but maybe they won't. Maybe capitalism is winning. It's really grim. Yeah, that's a bit grim. Anyway, <laughs> and that's what I think On about with my parental <laughs> leave. That's what I think about. One thing I think you do really well, way better than me, that's for sure, is if we're at a cafe... And something is not quite right. Like maybe there's the the water glasses come and they're a bit dirty or something, food comes out and the bacon is not as crispy as we had asked for um, because that <laughs> is how all bacon should come and anyone who gets soggy bacon is a psychopath. You are really good at really politely saying, hey, this is actually not what I ordered. Any chance you could just like get us a couple more cups or pop this back on the on the stove or whatever. Like you do it in a, a way that's like not too much trouble. I'm not trying to be a bother, but it's just not what I asked for. Yeah, I I actually really had to learn to do this because I, when I was a kid, it was like for a while there it was my, I was the good one at, be, at asking for things and being the assertive one. And then it swapped to my sister for a while and I'd just rely on her to do that sort of stuff for me. She was a lot more forthright and happy to do it. And so I just let her do it. Yeah, as an adult, again, I think like the shoe didn't swap beat, I suppose. Like I, <laughs> like she, she is still extremely assertive and and really skillful at asking for what she wants. Whereas I had to relearn how to do it. But I'm really glad I did because I would say bacon is probably my number one requested thing to go <laughs> back into the kitchen. And I really hope people don't spit in my food, but I, I do try to ask politely but I do ask because I do think that bacon should never be served floppy. And I don't understand why anything with that sort of texture, why you'd want to put it in your mouth. I don't understand it. What you're asking for is not something that you are not expecting because you've usually asked for crispy bacon or with the glasses, you don't expect to be given dirty glasses to drink your water out of. At. So you're like, you're not asking for anything that is out of line. But I also think it's the way, again, we, we, you know, back to tone, I think it's the way that people ask or try to get people's attention or like it really, really bothers me people who can see that staff are really busy and kind of try to grab them and like kind of not, I will definitely hate people who click at them. That's just anyone who clicks at a server. Oh. No, just, just no, absolutely not. But people who kind of can't gauge that that person is flat out and they just mm. have to grab them and stop the doing it's like actually you're ruining their flow you probably need to grab them at a time as they're going past or like, I don't know how to like, I don't know how to explain the balance of you're being rude because you're interrupting they're doing things and that's not just time and place mm. and there are some things that I do think are really hard to teach like particularly I think about 
children when trying to explain the nuances between rude and just patience and let's try looking for it first before we go and ask everybody where it is yeah I suppose that would be actually quite tricky because how are you meant to teach like that observational like you know that example of the cafe when people are busy and feeling a bit frantic and you can see that they're busy but you still need to ask for what you need and so like trying to get that balance right trying to teach that to a kid I can imagine would be really hard like when's the right time watch them can you see like you know that stuff that you kind of just do naturally is it just lead by example is that I think a lot of it is lead by example to be fair that's surely that's just parenting it's just is do your very best I think you can be both assertive and kind at the same time. I think you, in most situations or you can ask for what you want in a kind way, right, if that's your goal, it's like you don't want to be rude, you can still do it in a way that is kind without necessarily backing down or without being demanding and things like that. I think mm. there are ways to do it. I'm not saying I would always get that balance right. I think sometimes I just like hmm. kind of I'm too firm maybe or but uh-huh. I would hope that most of the time I'm conscious that this is another human being that I'm interacting with and that like me putting up my boundary or me asking for what I need or whatever it might be, I can do that in a way that isn't rude, is is kind yeah. even if I have to be firm about what I want or need or the boundary that I have in place. I heard something a little while ago. I'm not sure if we've already discussed it, to be honest, but it was a phrase for when you want to say no to an engagement or um, responsibility or something. And it was something along the lines of my plate is as full as I need it to be right now or I'd like it to be right now. I've seen the same thing and I'm like, oh, my God, I love that. I love it's it. It's like I think it's clear. My plate's full and it's not by your standards, it's by my standards. Yes. Because I find that, you know, especially as I'm returning to work, my family time that I'm used to having so much of has just shrunk. Not hugely, but enough that I'm like, whoa, that time is super precious. And so mm-hmm. cutting in on that time for other things, it feels like more of a sacrifice than it did before. Mm-hmm. And so I actually really will remember that line. That's really helpful is just, I'm just, I'm a bit busy at the moment for me and I need to be able to regroup and I just, I'm not going to fit it in this week. Sorry. But like or, there's just and sorry in the same sentence. Ah, Yeah. Or surely it could just be, I don't have space for that at the moment. And that doesn't, that could be time. That could be mental energy. That could be anything. And so I just, I don't have space to, to fit that in at the moment. But I'm a people pleaser, so my automatic reaction is to try to overshare information in order to make sure that the person realises it's not them, it's me. Yeah, me too, right? me too. Like if you were to ring me up and be like, hey, mate, you want to you want to record a podcast? I would feel a need to give you a good reason why I can't. You know how there's FOMO and then there was like a different version of FOMO and it was like JOMO and it was, oh, it was the joy of missing out for people who took joy in not actually going to things. Because I think it was for the introverts out there who were just cool, chilling at home, doing their thing, okay, you know, recharging in their space. Actually, it's it's funny. You know, those videos that pop up every now and then on Instagram that are like two friends talking on the phone and they're like, oh, I don't want to cancel, but 
And they're like, as they're talking on the phone, they're kind of getting changed back into their pajamas and they're so excited. And they're like, yes, with the, like in bed with a book. Like they're so excited to be like, well, if you're sure we should cancel. Yeah, we should. Yeah. Just for tonight. We'll yeah. reschedule for next week. Yeah. Like they're so happy <laughs> at the end of it. Like they're just so chuffed to be sitting there in bo- in bed with their book or whatever it is they might be doing instead. That. Actually, that profoundly speaks to me every now and then. <laughs> I absolutely feel that sometimes I would just like to be like I don't want to go to that commitment but often when I think that I don't want to go to something and I push myself out the door and I go I have a really nice time and I'm like well I I really enjoyed it and I'm glad I made the effort to go and it's not the end of the world and as long as I'm I guess as long as I'm keeping things as busy as I would like them my plate as full as I would like it to be and I'm not scheduling things in I think I've told you before about our, like our quadrants for a weekend. Yes, I love this. I have told so many people about it because I think it is very clever. It's it's helped us so much in terms of scheduling and planning out, seeing people when Jenko was at work full time and those weekends were so precious because that was his main quality time with the baby. It really helped us to be quite firm about how many things we would schedule in a weekend and when we would schedule them and how we would go about it. So, yeah, no more than two in a weekend. You've got really for us because we had a little baby, it was four, but an average person would probably have six parts to their weekend and have a morning and afternoon and then an evening thing that they could mm. potentially do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so for for Jenko and I, we'd schedule no more than two in a weekend, but you might schedule no more than three in a weekend if you mm-hmm. wanted that or like whatever it is for you. It's your own your own personal busyness plate. That works <laughs> really well for us. And, and uh, yeah, as the baby gets older and the potentials of evenings kind of become easier, we're still sticking to two and finding it really helpful. So like we might have someone for dinner on a Saturday night and then we might have lunch on a Sunday but those are the two kind of key things that we're doing during the weekend. Mm. Another way of thinking of it is you're scheduling time for your family. Like you're yeah. scheduling time just to be together as a family and that that needs to be considered in your plans. Whereas I think normally everyone else does all the other things and then whatever's left over is what your family gets. It's like, no, actually we're prioritizing this because this is pretty important. And imagine if you were to say to someone, like, I can't, oh, I can't meet you then. I'm having breakfast with my family. Do you think people would take that as like? Oh, you monster. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what are they going to say? What are they actually going to say to that? Are they going to be like, ah, rude? Or can you just say that's family time? Yeah. No one can begrudge anyone for that. That would be ridiculous. Yeah. It would be crazy. It'd be crazy. I guess it's the thing that we see as flexible though. We see that that family time is like a flexible time that you're having all the time. I guess that's a really interesting point. Maybe I'll try that next time. Next time that I can't, like that I'm like, no, 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 I really need some quality time with my little dude and my big dude. So do you have any, let's say top one or two pieces of advice for people to ensure that they're feeling empowered in situations and they're not being rude, even when they think it might be rude? I don't know because I, I feel like tonight's been more of a confession of like I'm a people pleaser. I find it really hard <laughs> to push back and to say no. and to, But like ultimately I would think, I think that if you do everything respectfully, 
and kindly, if those are the two things that like, that's my life motto at the moment is just try to be respectful and try to be kind to people. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. always, please don't get me wrong, but that's what I'm trying <laughs> to do is that um, like ultimately that's, that's how you treat other human beings. You treat them with kindness. You treat them with respect. If you are engaging in a, with another human being in that way, you can probably maintain your boundaries and be kind about maintaining mm-hmm. your boundaries. You can probably yeah. say no um, or ask for what you want in a kind way. And I do think that you will be more successful if you do it kindly. We've talked about the kindness hack before and I really believe it's real, but yeah. I think you can do things kindly and respectfully and it, if you maintain that level. My advice would probably be stop apologising when you haven't done anything wrong. Mm. I think absolutely if you've made a mistake, of course apologise. I think it's really important to own up when you're the one that's made a mistake or you're responsible for something that didn't go well. But we don't need to start sentences with I'm sorry or we don't need to say I'm sorry to get someone's attention or we don't need to say, which again, I do all the time, but that's just force of habit and I'm trying to get out of it. But we don't need to apologize for not responding to someone's email within two hours of them sending it to us. These things are all okay. We need to stop doing those things. That's edit them out. My advice. Yeah. Yeah. Edit out, just edit out. Sorry. What like, could you swap in like excuse me if you're not in like not in that tone excuse, excuse me. me um no try like an excuse me yes yeah, so like part pardon kind of I'm getting like to get to get attention like excuse me to get attention yeah or sometimes I've heard um people talk about instead of saying um like sorry for getting you so long to get back to you saying thanks so much for being patient with me la, la, uh, la. all right that's swapping that's a good one thanks for your patience so like a, and then roll with the next line i like that like, not sorry i'm late it's like thanks for waiting for me to start or thanks for waiting that's good Ooh, um, i might just because like, it's flipping it making it a you like it's it's a you problem <laughs> not a me problem <laughs> I like it. I like it. I might, um, I might, yeah, if I need that one, I might just pocket that. That's quite good. Thanks. Thank you instead of sorry. Yeah, I like that. I like it because you I... need something to swap it in with, right? That's what I find at the moment. Um, We're trying really hard not to swear in our house. So um, what I'm doing instead of swearing is spelling the word. Oh, yeah, wow. until they can spell. <laughs> Correct. It only works for so long, Nicole. Yeah, I know. But. I mean, he's not talking, so spelling's a long way off. <laughs> but I'm like, it if I just you know spell it. it, hopefully, like, I'll get sick to death of spelling it and I'll swap it in for a different word or whatever. Because I, I do use swear words to punctuate my everyday chit-chat. And so, yeah, like, I'm trying to do that at the moment. So maybe if you can swap out sorry for thank you, how can you rephrase it as a thank you? How do you take the sorry yeah. and change it to a thank you? How do you take out the just or do you, do you need to go through and edit out the just? I actually just edited it out. I was going to say just edit out the just and then I was like, no, no, edit it out. Chop. Got chop. The chop. Chop the dinosaur, daddy. Oh, don't chop the dinosaur, daddy. 
I definitely think it takes practice and it will take a while because I've been trying to remove my justs and I'm sorry for probably half a dozen years and I still I would say do it often. it's been like five years since we since we read that book yeah I reckon it's been around for at least five years yeah easily mm. and I would definitely recommend Jamila Rizvi not just lucky it's fantastic and she's an Australian author and and she's really cool real life and she seems quite friendly yeah she's awesome yeah I think so I think yeah Definitely read some Jamila Rizvi or get on her Instagram. She's really very supportive and um, really helps women to to straddle this rude, empowered kind of divide mm. for Definitely. sure. Mm. I feel like we should wrap it up there because otherwise we're going to end up with so many podcast episodes that are over an hour and I'm really not sure that anyone wants to listen to us for quite that long. <laughs> <laughs> Time to call it a day, ladies and gentlemen. Right, well, I'm going to go practice saying thank you in the mirror. Are you really? Thank you for waiting for me. <laughs> Just to make sure you can pull the right uh, the right facial expressions. I like that. All right. Thank you for finding that for me. Thank you I'm for gonna giving go me a $70 do... discount off my shoes. <laughs> I'm going to go do my facial massage because that's what I said my New Year's resolution was and um, I've definitely missed a few days. So, And I need you all to notice how youthful I am next time you see me. So, <laughs> I see it. You're looking fresh. Lies. Lies. You're full of lies. I You're bathed. right. It's that's the why. end of Monday. Like it's the first day of the week and it's rough. I've been up since 5.30. Nobody's looking youthful around here, pal. <laughs> yeah, I feel that 5.30 wake up. Uh, well, yeah, no, I better go and I will talk to you soon. All right. Love you, buddy. Talk to you soon. Love you. Bye. Bye. Don't leave just yet. If you want to hear a story about being empowered, there is an explicit warning on this one. I got a little bit too excited telling a story about how I clapped back at someone who I thought was being quite rude. Um, But stay tuned and uh, keep it out of the range of little ears. If you had one or two pieces of advice, for ensuring that you're approaching it and being empowered rather than just being a rude bitch. Um, like oh, my it. gosh, here's a side, a side story for you. Oh, yeah. Um, you, you know me. I'm not, a, I play, like, I'm not a very aggressive basketball player. I kind of turn up, like, to run around, like, to have a chat with the team. Try. You're pretty committed. Home. You do put a lot of effort in. Yeah, but I'm not an aggressive player like defense is not my strong suit I'm more offensive um but last night a a girl from the other team called me a fucking bitch because I it was a pretty rough game the refs weren't calling anything so there was a lot of like kind of running through and just kind of running into each other and kind of putting like you're putting your weight into things a little bit more and she was like can you stop with the fucking elbows and I'm like um well that's the first time anyone's ever pointed out my elbows like am I getting really skinny and I'm like bony now or something like I've never had that problem before and I my teammates said I should have just gone what elbows um because I wasn't throwing anything deliberately I've never played like that that's not my style um but I was just probably being like, if she was running into me, I was just probably putting a little bit more firmness into it. So I didn't like take the hit. I actually put a little bit of kind of um, firmness back into it. And I said, Oh, but I said, your team is doing this too. I'm not doing anything. Like I said, your team's, your team's doing it too. She's like, well, I'm not doing it to you. And I said, well, the refs aren't actually calling anything. So 
this is obviously how the game's being played tonight. Um, kind of being like, well, they're not calling anything. I'm obviously not doing anything wrong because they're not calling anything. And this is the level of the game tonight. Sometimes it's scrappier. Like, and she was like, you fucking bitch. And I said, thank you so much. You play really well too. <laughs> Were you just so chuffed that you had the presence of mind? To- Can you please tell this story? You need to tell this story for the podcast. Uh, and then I ran off and I then I ran off to one of my teammates and was like, what's like a bitch? <laughs> oh, my God. We're, we're keeping this in. We're keeping this in. We'll just put an explicit warning on it. We'll just say explicit tonight. This is so It's the only time that I have ever been called. I've, I have never. And I kind of came off and I said to my teammates, this is what's happened. They were like, what were we doing? Were you throwing up us? I said, guys, when have you ever seen me play aggressively that? And they're like, it's oh, like, so you unlike- do pissed off. But like, but like, you don't. Like, I don't, I'm not, I don't do, like, throwing elbows is dangerous, right? I don't do dangerous stuff. I think, unfortunately, she was just a bit shorter than me. And when I was coming through, it was just, she was obviously just at that height. But I don't really understand. Anyway. So Potentially, your elbow made contact with her and then she's just, like, got that white hot anger of somebody. Like, I I know it. I know that, like, that real... Ah, like crazy anger from netball days that sense of like somebody does one thing wrong or like accidentally hurts you but all of us like in your head you're like you are a villain and you yeah, take them a, down but it was a super it was a very scrappy game because sometimes you have it where refs kind of overlook it they've lost a, or they've just like they've lost control of the game and they're not calling enough stuff to keep it civilized so it gets a bit scrappy which means everyone puts a few more like bits a bit more weight into things and everyone plays just like a little bit rougher and for some people that is dangerous because like I play in a mixed team so you know when it's a 120 kilo six foot five guy playing a little bit rougher and you're playing with other people who are five foot tall and weigh 50 kilos dripping wet like it can get silly but for the most part they get you get rougher you get a bit more firm with people who are kind of playing at your level like you're not like the guys will pay play a bit rougher against each other but they're not about to go and bowl over some some poor girl mm. so I think there's like a bit of an understanding so anyway but she was not very pleased and like I've played basketball for 20 years and I don't think I've ever had anyone call me anything probably have <laughs> I copped it a lot on the netball court like I yeah whispers louder than whispers I copped it all the time so I'm really impressed that you haven't this is your first ever effing bitch moment that's amazing that's so good yeah, to have patience for people anyway sorry but I digress you've been listening to the unsolicited advice podcast brought to you by the unsolicited advice column for more information, head on over to our Instagram or to get in touch, leave a Spotify voicemail. Thanks for listening.